Good morning, everybody. My name is Jeff. Hi. And I am a sinner saved by grace. I'm a sinner, but I'm not as big a sinner as a couple of pastors I know. There's a couple of pastors, um, and these guys, believe it or not, go to porn conventions and hang out with porn stars at these conventions. I'm not talking about outside, you know, in the parking lot with signs and bullhorns. I'm talking about they buy tickets and go in and hang out with these folks. And they, you know, they're pastors. (laughs) So they have no business being there. Or do they? It's a ministry that they started called Jesus Loves Porn Stars. And as a part of that, they also started an uh, online uh, website, triplexchurch.com. Triplexchurch.com. And part of that is they, they put information out about this multi-billion dollar industry. And so they're, they're talking about the uh, corrosive effects of pornography on uh, those who are involved in it. Um, and uh, they offer an um, accountability process for, uh, for people who um, are addicted to it and they, they can put on their computers and, and so forth. So they go in and they show these people, particularly the, uh, the women involved in this um, corrosive, terrible trade, the love of Jesus. Yeah. So here's a question you probably haven't been asked before. Do you think Jesus would hang out with porn stars? Hmm. Well, We'll talk some about that this morning. We're in this series that we're calling, He's That Guy, right? This is a phrase that's in our culture these days, and, you know, nobody wants to be that guy, right? Because that guy is the guy who does obnoxious things. That guy is the guy that um, does things that you shouldn't do, you don't want to do. You don't want to be that guy. In Jesus' day, he was that guy. Jesus did things that were outside of convention among the religious people, particularly. He did things that were um, opposed to many of the dearly held traditions. And at times, he broke Jewish law. He was that guy. And so we're looking at in this series some ways in which Jesus was that guy who did those things and always with a purpose. And the purpose was to point people to the kingdom of God and invite them in. So today we're talking about the fact that Jesus had a bad habit of hanging out with all the wrong people. Jesus hung out with all the wrong people. He was keeping company 
with people that you just should not be keeping company with if you're a first century Jewish rabbi, much less anybody else, right? He was that guy. So Jesus kept company with prostitutes and with adulterers. He hung out with handicapped people in a time in which people believed that if you had a physical or mental handicap, it was because God was either angry at you or your parents, and that's why you had that handicap. Jesus hung out with women at a time when women were viewed as little more than property owned by the men in their lives. And yet Jesus hung out with them and elevated them to a status of equal among them. They were part of his inner circle. Jesus would speak to them as adult human beings. Jesus enjoyed being with them and they loved being around Jesus. Jesus even hung out with Samaritans, the dreaded, awful Samaritans. A Samaritan was somebody who had a faith that was a kind of perversion of the Jewish faith. And so they combined elements of the Jewish faith along with pagan practices of religions around them in that day. And so it was this kind of perverted version of Judaisms and all good Jews hated Samaritans. But Jesus seemed to enjoy their company. Jesus had this way of hanging out with all of the wrong people. He seemed to be more comfortable with sinners than he was with the saints. He was that guy. So there's a story in the Gospels that I wanted to look at with you in talking about this idea. It's from the Gospel of Mark. It's in the second chapter, and we're just going to read through it and unpack it a little bit. So it starts out this way, and the words are on the screen. It says, as he walked, and this is Jesus, as Jesus walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Now, many of you know this, but, but maybe not. When the Bible talks about, when the New Testament talks about a tax collector, you have to understand who these people were. They were sort of like the mafia, all right? So picture these guys. This isn't, you know, a little guy sitting at a booth, this little, you know, mealy mouth kind of guy. Oh, taxes. This is a mafioso. The tax collectors of the day worked for Rome, and they would collect taxes for Rome, but they also were allowed by law to take more than what was required from Rome in order to enrich themselves. And so these guys would, you know, 
depending on who they were and how they behaved, they would take massive amounts of money out of the economy, take money and uh, goods from people, um, leaving them really desperate at times and impoverished in order to enrich themselves. And the difference between a tax collector and a mafia guy is the tax collectors had the support of the government. So the Roman government, all the laws of the government and their enforcement, their police, their military, were all supportive of these tax collectors. So there was literally nothing you could do to protect yourself from these unscrupulous tax collectors. So when Jesus walks up to this guy Levi at his tax collecting booth and says, follow me, you need to understand the tax collector is like, are you talking to me? What am I, a joke to you? No, you know, it's, it's, I want you to have the right picture of who these guys were. <laughs> I got to work on that. that Could have been so much better. All right. So Levi gets this invitation and he follows Jesus. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. There's a lot there, right? So at some point later, we don't know if it was days later or weeks later or months later, Levi invites Jesus and the other disciples to his house for dinner and a party. They're going to have a party at his house. Now, if you're a tax collector, who do you think your friends are? Tax collectors, because nobody else wants to hang out with you, right? Except for other disreputable sinners, Right? So there is this gathering of people that, you know, let's just say they're the people that your mom warned you about hanging out with. Right? These are not the good people. These are, these are bad people. They're tax collectors and other disreputable. So you, you can let your imagination run about who is comfortable hanging out with the mob. Right? Who are these people? These are the disreputable ones. These are people that you're not supposed to hang out with, particularly if you are a good religious guy, much less a rabbi. And Mark points out in this kind of parenthetical way, by the way, there were a bunch of these kind of people that followed Jesus. He's hanging out with a bad crowd. Jesus is hanging out with a bad crowd. And he seems to be comfortable with them. That's what's crazy. Jesus seems to be comfortable with these people. Verse 16. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked, this, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Great question. Why does he do that? So as I'm reading this passage, I'm thinking like, they're asking a really good question here. 
They want to understand. But I also think there's probably an underlying um, idea behind this question, an underlying assumption. Why does he do this? Either, they're thinking, either he's ignorant about who these people are, so he's not very bright, or he's one of them. Like maybe he's comfortable with them because he's really one of them. And this isn't somebody you should be following. This isn't somebody who should be teaching. So why is it? What's the answer to why Jesus is hanging out with these people? Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So, again, just kind of into the story, keeping the story, uh, like, what's going on here? So they're in the house, right? They're having this party. The Pharisees are not in the house, they would not go into a house like that. So they're not in there. So how did Jesus hear them ask the question? So probably what happened was a couple of Jesus' disciples went outside. You know, maybe they just needed a breath of fresh air. You know, the music was loud and the lights and all that. They just needed to get a breath of fresh air. Maybe they were sent on an errand, you know, they're low on wine or who knows what, but they were sent on an For some reason, they go outside and there is this group of these religious leaders standing outside, hearing what's going on, knowing Jesus is in there. So as they come out, that's where they get asked the question. So then, you know, they do their thing and then they go back in and I can just picture, you know, they're, they pull Jesus aside and say, um, hey, um, so there's a group of Pharisees outside and they're like wondering, why are we here? What are we doing here with these people? And Jesus gives the answer, and I love the answer, right? Jesus says, oh, well, I'm a doctor. And doctors help sick people, not healthy people. I'm here to help people not who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. And I love that answer. Not people who, what, think they're righteous, but people who know they're sinners. You know, like, I don't think the tax collectors and these folks had any doubt at all that, you know, maybe our life isn't exactly the way it was supposed to be and we're not doing things that we should be doing and the culture around is telling us how terrible we are. We don't care, and, you know, but yeah, I know I'm a sinner. But the people who think they're righteous, these religious folk who think they've got it all figured out, Jesus says, have at it. You don't need me. I'm not here for you. I'm here for people who recognize that they're missing the mark. A couple of weeks ago, you may recall that we looked at another story 
about another tax collector, a guy named Zacchaeus. It was another time that Jesus was invited, actually he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. So he's in the house of another tax collector with other, you know, scum that this guy hangs out with. And in that luncheon, Zacchaeus comes to recognize and accept this idea of the kingdom of God that Jesus is preaching. And, you know, just responds with great generosity. And that closes out, that story closes out with Jesus saying, for I have come to save, to to seek and to save those who are lost. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. That's why I've come. That's who I'm here for. These are the people that I'm seeking to reach, not those who think they've got it all figured out, not those who believe that they are righteous in the sight of God. In John's Gospel, the 17th uh, verse of chapter 3, it says this, and words are on the screen, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus not to judge, but to rescue us. Jesus didn't look at the people at that party at Levi's house as disreputable sinners or tax collectors or scum. He saw them as human beings created in the image of God, his Father, who were in desperate need of a rescue. Jesus had this wonderful way of seeing the good in bad people and seeing the bad in good people. Jesus came to rescue us all. He came for all. So just because you think you're righteous, you know, you may be missing the mark. We all miss the mark. And in fact, scripture is really clear about that, right? That we all miss the mark. We all fall short of the glory of God. The very nature of sin, the definition of the word sin from the Greek is to miss the mark. We're all missing the mark in lots of different ways. And Jesus came to present to us a new way of living. The good news that it's not about our effort to make the mark but about his grace offered to us. And we're all, we're all in the same boat. So I think we want, you know, we have this idea maybe of Jesus. You know, we want him to go into the house of tax collectors and sinners, but we kind of want Jesus to call them out, you know? We want condemnation not consolation. We want him shaming, not saving, the bad people. Until we recognize that I'm the bad people. I need rescuing. 
I need grace just as much as anybody else. So Jesus is at this party with his disciples. Right? Jesus and the disciples were invited to come. And I think what Jesus was doing in that moment by bringing his disciples, he was teaching them how to engage the world. And part of it is, if you wanna be an influence, you've gotta be a presence. If you wanna be an influence, you've gotta be a presence. As long as the church, us, are hidden away in our buildings on Sundays, and then not speaking about our faith any other time, we have no influence because we're not really present in the world. And the world needs us to be present. This world, in this time in which we live, more than ever. I've shared about this before, and, and I'm, I suspect some of you have I've read some of this as well, that we are now living in this country in a time where now a second generation of Americans has been born that has no connection whatsoever to the church. The second generation. That means that their parents, the parents of this youngest generation, had no connection to the church. They weren't baptized, they weren't confirmed, they didn't go to Sunday school, they didn't go to Christmas Eve and Easter services, no connection whatsoever to the church. And so for two generations of Americans, the majority of those people have no idea what goes on in our buildings, in our churches. It's as foreign to them as a Hindu temple would be to me. And so the only thing they know about Christians or Christianity is what they see online. What they see on YouTube, what they see on Netflix, what they see in their news feeds. And what's that image? For many, it's not very positive, is it? Why would you want anything to do with that? We stand outside of arenas, in parking lots, with placards saying turn or burn, with megaphone preaching messages against people. And that's the image of the church. So the question is, would Jesus be in the parking lot or would he be in the arena talking to porn stars. I want to read to you just a little section from um, the website from Jesus Loves Porn Stars website. Um, and actually, after the first service, I talked to a woman who um, knows one of the pastors that I'm talking about. He's in California, and she actually uh, attended his church. She said he's out there <laughs> in a good way. Here's what it says. We believe 
that Jesus meets people where they are. We don't subscribe to a belief system that God only loves those who live the way we or religion think they should live. We believe that it is what Jesus, uh, when Jesus meets, loves, and accepts us where we are, no matter what that place is where we are, transforms us by this crazy kind of love. We long to live and love like that. In 2002, our very small Triple X team went into the first porn convention to love on both the consumer and the workers there. This approach was very different from other religious organizations present outside the convention with their posters and megaphone preaching messages of law and hate. Over a decade plus later, our love is just as strong, if not stronger, for those inside the walls of the sex industry. Would Jesus hang out there? Or would Jesus be in the parking lot? It's, a, it's an image of the church. It, it's who we're called to be. Jesus called his followers to engage the world. If we want to be an influence, we've got to be a presence. And friends, the church isn't just that. People outside, you know, with placards and so forth. So many churches, so many Christian people are serving those who are hurting and who are struggling. There is probably in every prison in America, every jail in America, a church or a group of Christians who are meeting with those prisoners because they know if they want to be an influence, they've got to be a presence. There are Christians and churches like this one who are serving those who are dealing with addictions, addictions to opioids, addictions to alcohol, to sex addictions, all kinds of struggles that people have and tell them that you are not scum, you are a child of God, dear and precious to him. There are Christians who are working among all kinds of hurting people, refugees, serving them there and caring for them. And you know what? It's not just that kind of person. Because we know that on streets with beautifully manicured lawns and tree-lined streets and brick or vinyl siding homes, big, beautiful homes, that inside those homes are sinners struggling with all kinds of issues in their relationships, within themselves, within their community, who need a voice of grace, who need the church to be the church, to stand up and say that Jesus didn't come to condemn you, but to rescue you. Why don't you join me 
and follow him. So when we talk about this being a church where we accept people as they are and who they are, where they are, and we're gonna work together, all of us, to take next steps in our faith, that means everybody, anybody. There are no wrong people. There are just people created in the image of God, loved by God, and invited into his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together for closing prayer. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love sinners like me that you have rescued me, that you continue to love me even as I miss the mark, that you invite me into your kingdom to be your son because you see good in me that I don't see. You see good in each of us that we don't see. And even when you're aware of the bad in us, you don't reject us, but you embrace us. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And so Lord, help us to be the kind of people and the kind of church that follows Jesus into parties with tax collectors and other sinners and to speak about a place, about a life that they can know through you. I pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week.